Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. You think about the person in your life, when you started, believing you more than anyone else. They're the ones that made the sacrifice. And I walk out, my old man's next to me. They're not just looking at you, they're looking at what made you. Now, what I'm talking about our fucking game. I want them talking about us. Welcome listeners to The Extra Inch. My name's Wendy and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend Bardy. Hello Bardy. Hello Wendy. And our tactics guy and a man who's been really earning his salary this week with a lot of grunt work. It's Nathan (laughs) Clark. Hello Nathan. That's me. That's me. If I was a better coder I could automate a lot of the hours (laughs) I spent (laughs) the last (laughs) few days but I'm not so I'm manually copying and pasting tables into spreadsheets, exploring the spreadsheets into CSV files, importing the CSV files, stitching the files back together and so on for fun. Just so I can make one little table and then go, oh look, all those guys are left footed and discount them or they're already owned by Chelsea and discount them immediately and uh, and move on to the last one. And, and does this explain why uh, one player appeared four times? I don't want to talk about that right now. <laughs> <laughs> Too been, upsetting. Um, I've been trying to teach myself Power BI by using YouTube tutorials. And it, it's just the amount of people that can't speak coherently or clear that upload tutorials is amazing. Yeah. They put really good titles like how to do this really clearly. And then you listen to it and you're like, what? <laughs> what are you saying? Yeah, so I feel your pain. Uh, I've got some bits of admin to go through. I, you know how I like my admin. Um, this is important. Someone mentioned to us after the last podcast that they heard adverts about uh, the oil and gas industry, I suppose. Like um, buying barrels of crude. I, I think so. I think so. <laughs> Please do let us know if you get any adverts like this or adverts that you think might not match with the ethos of the extra inch because we essentially can put a bunch of topics on a list uh, to ensure they won't be included as adverts on our podcast so if that happens to you podcast at the extra inch.co.uk let us know and i will adjust the settings i think i've i've, I've ticked off a load of things that now won't be advertised but i could easily have missed some things there were like a hundred categories so Anything crops up that you think is sketchy, please let us know. That's amazing. Um, hey, hey, drink AG1, but hey, also buy a barrel of crude oil. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I don't really know like, why our audience would be targeted for <laughs> oil and gas, but... Got to be the is? Americans. Got to be them. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but... Uh, <laughs> um, also, I have ticked the button on Patreon 
that allows the maximum 16% off annual Patreon subs. Um, that will be live for the next few days. So patreon.com forward slash the extra inch. If you are contemplating getting an annual sub, maybe it'd be a Christmas present for someone. A uh, nice Christmas gift. Um, and and uh, I also want to give a shout out to a charity. I got this really lovely email. So this is from John Bergman, who says... Hi guys, former Spurs mascot John Bergman here. What, you don't remember me in 1993 running out with Gary Mabbott for our annual defeat at Villa Park? Hmm. I wanted to write to you firstly to say thanks for the pod. It helps me stay connected with the hopeful and hopelessness cycle of being a Spurs fan whilst marooned here in New York. And secondly, to flag up a project I've just completed. I'm a painter and I've just collaborated with the Balls Project in the UK to make a colourful football that supports Goals for Girls, a charity with a commitment to empower and support women and girls who lack opportunities within London's most marginalised communities through the power of football. Any support and sharing of the project would be amazing. The Balls are beautiful, the perfect gift, what with Christmas breathing down our necks, and collector's items that also supports a really great charity. Um, and yeah, John John's design is is quite spectacular, and the other designs are cool as well. So we'll link to that in the show notes. If you want to um, support that charity and support John, then then take a look at that. Worth a look anyway, just to see his really unique design. I think. Um, but yeah, I thought that was cool. So thanks so much, John, for getting in touch for your kind words, and hopefully you'll get some support from the extra inch listeners. Um, it's the international break. And I don't want to talk about international football, I don't know about you guys. So instead, I thought we would perhaps reflect on the season so far uh, and how it matches up to our pre-season expectations. Um, so, Bardi, when when we pointed Postacoglu, um, I can't imagine you knew an awful lot about him, but from the, the, the content you, you guzzled down after his appointment to where we are now, sort of how are you feeling about things? Um, we all we all know where where I stood with with the Italian and how I totally believed in him and I was I was I was sure that he was going to make us great. So we all know how much I committed to that guy and how much I wanted it to win to work out and it didn't. So that I was really I was really hurt. I was in a real bad place in terms of faith in in Tottenham, faith in our players and everything else. So I didn't know who I wanted next. I wasn't really bothered by it cuz I was still too hurt. So we we had this weird thing where we went through the summer and, and you lot were telling me about um what was his name? Slot. Mm. And and how he would be good and how he, that was going to work. And then it seemed everybody was doing opinion pieces on that Slot was going to be the next manager. And then he wasn't. And then we ended up with Postacoglu, which um, I think Nathan was the first person to say that he was happy that Slot didn't get the job and Postacoglu was much more Spurs. So I was willing just to um, just to just to just to go just to go with it, but keep a watchful eye on him in case he turned out to be a fraud. Thelonious used something on the, the fighting cock the other week. He said he started a fraud watch to make sure that Ange isn't <laughs> isn't just a isn't just a PR stunt. And um, I've been a little bit like that from the start. I've been, I've been curious to see how we're going to play, whether or not it works, whether or not it is sustainable. And so far, he's exceeded expectations. It, that's including the two losses that we've suffered now. So so far, he's done more than I was expected. So I'm in a decent place with him. Nice. And um, how I know we've had this conversation over and over again, but uh, how much are you enjoying the football? How important is that to you that we, we play nice stuff? Um, how are you getting on with that? Me? Um, mm. 
I'm happy we play nice football. I'm happier when we play winning football, which is which is something that's what I've always said. It's my it's my shtick. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with how we play. But I think more than that, I'm happy about the the feeling around the stadium has been really nice. Going to watch Spurs again has been a pleasure, and it hadn't been. It wasn't the last six seven months. Um, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a pleasure going to watch Spurs, especially kind of like after the Milan game and everything else. It was it was painful to go to the stadium. You'd notice more people would spend the majority of the game down in the concourse rather than out up in the stands. And I think the biggest change in terms of support of Spurs is after the final whistle, people remain in their seats to to say well done to the players, to enjoy the 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 bangers that the DJ plays and just to say hello to, to Posta Coglu. And that was the same after the Chelsea game, even though it finished like at midnight, people stayed in their seats uh, to, to applaud the team. And I think that's been one of the big changes, people hanging around to the final whistle to support the team. Buddy, I, I've known you for many years. Hmm. You, you're a cynical old bastard. You really are. <laughs> uh, how, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about, you know, do, do you want to stay and applaud the players off the pitch? And do you, do you feel like there's something happening in regards to the relationship between the players and the fans. I think, I think honestly, I think because it was so bad, people are just so happy to jump onto any kind of positivity. If you see what I mean, that we, we won some games in the last minute, which always helps the kind of vibes around the, around the club. But I do think because we were so desperate for something, we, we just jumped onto this immediately because we had a manager who said nice things. Um, we had some good, we signed some good players who are, who are really good and interested to watch. So I think we've, we perhaps jumped on the Postacoglu bandwagon faster than I remember us jumping on any kind of bandwagon in the past. It took Pochettino six months, maybe. It took Conte a few, a few months in his in his first season where things were going well before we really took to him so I, I've been surprised at the speed of it um, but it's good you know there's enough misery in the world that we can enjoy going to watch football but I do think things will change if we start losing games start losing more matches mm. Mm. Nathan um, you were pretty enthusiastic from the off about Postacoglu you um, liked him as a person you also thought that his style broadly would scale up. Uh, you had some concerns about his pressing, which I think he has uh, somewhat calmed yeah. with some tweaks, given the team he has around him as well. How are you feeling about things? Man, um, I don't know if there's ever been a better time international break in, in the history of football because because I I... I feel so good about Spurs. I feel so so good about Tottenham. Um, and like, obviously, I'm I'm definitely someone who's much more long term minded um, <clears throat> with football related stuff. Um, but that's so much easier when we haven't like lost a game of football yesterday or the day before, right? It's been it's, we've had a week off, and um, I feel good. I feel really good. I uh, obviously we've lost half our team, <laughs> and that sucks. <laughs> Um, and, and, and when the international break is over, when we resume, we're, we're still not going to be where we want to be for a few weeks and things are going to, things are going to be a little difficult for the next few weeks, but man, long term, I just, I just, I feel, I feel a way, again, I, I've, I've said this before, but I feel a way about Spurs that I, I didn't feel about Spurs for, for most of, of the sort of four years prior, right? Um, it's significant. I think I, I you, you, you just asked Bardi about, um. Staying and applauding. I'm, I'm, I'm remembering. I went to a Europa League game in what 2015. Hunter Pochettino. We played Tuchel's Dortmund, and and we we rotated our team, and they absolutely blew us away. Um, completely, completely outplayed us with with the best football Tuchel's played in his career, in my opinion. 
um, and we sang uh, Park Lane and Shelfside for for half an hour, and then we applauded the team off the pitch. And that that's a really outstanding Spurs memory for me. That's that's right near the top. Um, and yeah, that took more than six months. That took eighteen months. That took two years to build to be in a place where we can say, hey, um, we've just been completely played off the pitch. Um, but the message that we as fans want to send is we see where this is going. We feel really, really good about the long term. We're really impressed with what we're seeing from this club. Um, so we want to we wanna end the match with a, with a positive message. Um, to be there um, within, within three months um, speaks both to the football that we've played on the pitch, but also Pastor Koglu as a, as a person, how he speaks and the confidence that that instills. Mm. I do think though this is his real first test now as a, as a Spurs manager. Maybe maybe the Kane saga was a little bit of a test in terms of how you handle the media, but I think on the pitch now he has to um, he has to make some changes to because we we can't go into another game with Dyer Davies and Shoibia uh, or a midfield. I, I listened back to the previous pod and you called that midfield trio last week disgusting. <laughs> and I, 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 I don't, I don't think we can play those three again. So something's going to have to be changed. And um, Lacelso played 10 minutes last week versus Bentancur, who played 30 minutes. Um, so they've got some minutes in their legs. And I, I think both or at least one of them will need to start the next game because we can't can't afford to lose against Villa with the games we've got coming up. I think Bentancur came off the bench and played 30 minutes under Bielsa twice for Uruguay, if that's correct, over the international break. So that's that's mm-hmm. good. That's actually, we were <laughs> we entered the pod <laughs> annoyed that he'd been called up. But actually, two lots of half an hour is probably pretty good for where he's at now, um, even with the miles. Um, I, buddy, I think that um losing Kane is is a big big task a huge ask and it only seems like a maybe because of how well we sailed over it and I think and I said um I said at the time that actually Kane is like not a great fit for possible blue style and we happen to have Son and Richardson who actually happen to be really good fits um for for the role that Postacoglu's forwards typically plays. And so in a lot of ways, there's actually a, a, a perfect circumstance there for Postacoglu. But if we'd lost Kane under Conte, if we'd lost Kane under Mourinho, if we'd lost Kane before Nuno came in, we wouldn't be going, oh, maybe that was kind of a test. <laughs> like that would have been, that would have been catastrophic. <laughs> um, so I think although his, his, um, his tactical styles happened to um, uh, help him out in that situation. Losing Kane was a was a very very significant test to overcome, um, and he definitely did did that. And I think that yeah, I, I think that the way that we overcome this test is is um, probably less about winning, regardless, and more about just sailing through on vibes alone until we can actually patch an eleven together again. Yeah, I mean, I think also you could say that integrating. Uh, Vicario and Van der Ven into yeah. the Premier League is a test. I think Udogi, you know, performance of his level is is testament to Postecoglou's ability to sort of coach him into a new role, new league. Um, so I, I I think he comes away with an awful lot of credit uh, having passed those tests, in my opinion. Um, I, I I definitely am sort of in a similar position to Nathan in terms of I've I've got the love back, I've got the bug back. I really am invested in us again in a way that I haven't been for years. Um 
and it feels really lovely but it, that with that sort of investment comes the pain you know the the pain of that wolves game losing the last minute it was awful i felt shit i hated it good um yeah i mean exactly it is good the the the, the downs come with mm. the ups and we've had a lot of ups this season everything's felt very nice very smooth uh and i knew this was coming i knew that our squad was weak i knew that yeah. it would be exposed at some point um it just was a bit cruel in the way it happened in that Chelsea game. Uh, the sendings off, the injuries, all, all hitting at once. I think I think uh, the big test is replacing Madison. Uh, I think a lot of people are focused on the defence, and, and rightly so, because Van de Ven has been fantastic. Romero has also been really, really impressive this season, and then their big losses. But I think with Poro, Udogi, Romero back after the City game, and then you know probably Dyer or Davis... I think we're okay. I think we can cope. I I worry about how he replaced Madison. And, and what I'm absolutely intrigued by is how he goes about replacing Madison because Hoybier for Madison is not a suitable stitch-up job. That, does, that doesn't work. Trying to use Saar as a more creative midfielder doesn't work. So he has to find another solution. And I'm really interested in how he goes about trying to do that. Personally... Also very pleased to see Bentancourt be used sparingly by Bielsa. Uh, I think we ought to continue to use Bentancourt sparingly because I don't think it's worth risking his health for a sort of short-term injury crisis. And I would be looking at other solutions from within the squad. For me, Donnelly would be one of those solutions. He's also got Brian Hill, Giovanni Lacelso. He's got the option of moving Kulisevsky inside. So there are possibilities there. And I think given the, the sort of health and lack of sharpness of um of our current midfield options i said this on the plus dave podcast which i was i was honored to guest on this week um i think it'll be a combination of those options because they'll probably play one will play 50 55 60 minutes and then someone else will come off the bench and and play the rest against villa and then depending on how that goes will probably affect the selection against city and the selection against west ham and the newcastle so yeah, really intrigued to see how he tackles this little conundrum. Wasn't impressed that he used Hoybier, but I understand why under the circumstances, mm. the limited time um, uh, between the Chelsea and the Wolves match and with the sort of limited fitness and match fitness of the suitable replacements. I also um, I also don't think Bentecourt is a good stylistic fit for that role anyway, right? I, he's more he's going to be more creative in that role than Hoybier, but that doesn't mean that he's creative enough. Um, I really like Bentecourt and he's got a technical yeah. um, uh, brilliance to his game. I think that makes him really well suited to the eight role, um, being creative and build up, finding solutions to um, progressing mm. the ball and then arriving in the box to, to shoot is is perfect for him but getting him to try to do you know threading the needle from from the 10 position is um is not right for him anyway so uh yeah i i still feel optimistic about the so um but basically the next <laughs> the next match is going to be very telling in that regard mm. so just following up on that bentancourt uh comment we had a question from John Youngblood who said, seeing a lot of supporters and people who cover the club suggesting that Benton Cole can play the six or cover for Madison. But for me, the role on the right-hand side of the midfield three looks like the best position for him. Could he provide cover for Basuma or Madison as well? Um, this will is already a question now about uh, whether he can cover mm. Madison. It will also become a question in January when Basuma goes to the African Cup of Nations. Uh, I agree with Nathan completely that Bentancourt is by far best suited to the the eight role on the right that Saar currently plays. 
But, Bardi, do you think Bentancur can also cover the six or the ten? I think he can cover both in a better way than, than perhaps Saar can and perhaps even Schoibier can. So I think we may have to use him in that way. Um, ideally, I'd like to see Le Celso being given the Madison role, but Le Celso's not playing until um, the early hours of Wednesday morning, I think, or Tuesday night. So I'm, I'm not sure what he's going to be like coming back for, for Sunday. We have to well, see. Yeah, that's the, that's the ongoing question with Le Celso, isn't it? He goes off on international duty, he gets injured, he comes back and he misses four weeks of football. Yeah, because Argentina seem to have one of the, the kind of later games out of everyone else. Most people will be playing Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday, but it's not playing until Wednesday morning. Um, yeah, I, I think Bentaco is a good enough player to do it, but will it be useful? I don't know. Or will it be effective? Probably not. But what else are we going to do, really? Nathan, could he cover the six for you? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I. Um, there was a whole thing with him playing the six role um, at Juventus uh, under Allegri and like not thriving, but being asked to play that role. Um, but obviously, you know, Allegri ball is uh, is pretty mm-hmm. drastically different in terms of the structure and support that he'd have. So I, I might, obviously, again, uh, the eight role is perfect for him, um, assuming he can get back up to, to a high level of match fitness. Um I I I wouldn't mind seeing him play number six. I don't think he should be playing the number ten for us much at all. Off the bench at the end of games, not so bad. But to start in the te- in in Madison's role isn't right. But um, yeah, I I think the Spurs should be investing in a in a young understudy to Basuma to play the backup number six role. Um, but yeah. that might not be until until next season. So we're going to need someone to fill in those minutes. And and between Hoiberg and Bentoncourt, we should be okay. Don't mind seeing Bentacle get a get a couple of games there to see how he does because he can turn under pressure. Um, that's for sure. There was like there was like one infamous moment. It might have been like a Champions League knockout game where he was playing the number six for Juve and he like played a bad pass under pressure that gave the ball away and, and the opposition scored a goal. And it's like that doesn't really that doesn't summarize his entire ability in that role, especially when you look at his general press resistance. Right. So um, there's there's certainly more to it than that. Mm. I I just think if you play him at six, you take away a lot of the qualities yeah. that are his best qualities. So it would need to be a, a short-term cover yeah. thing. Because, of course, we haven't got Basuma in January, but we also haven't got Saar. So it's not like... Sure, we need both, right? You know, he, we need both roles covered. And I would rather have Hoybier covering six and Ben Sankor playing to his right. Because he's an exceptional presser, he covers ground really well with his, his gait and his stride. He's really good at arriving in the box. Better than Saar in that respect, I would say. Better finisher than Saar. Um, and I just really like him in that role. I think I don't mind them the other way around. I think if you're missing a six and an eight, you've got Bintikor and Hoibjerg. I, I think that there's some sense to using Bentancur as a six and Hoibjerg as the eight, I think. I think. Still not ideal that you'd be in that situation, obviously, no. but... but um, no. Yeah, I think I'm and and, and it goes it goes without saying the bigger problem is covering Madison. That's the that's sure. the key conundrum. When I started drinking AG1 daily, I noticed a few things change in terms of physical well-being, but it also had a big impact on my mental well-being. I know that no matter where I am or what I'm doing, I'm getting solid support, like Basuma dropping deep and helping me out of a high press. With a festive period coming, if you're anything like my best friend and host Chris, you might be out and about and probably overdoing it. 
enjoying the yuletime cheer, the, pal- the platters, pigs in blankets and a glass of wine or three. Trying to balance your nutritional needs whilst enjoying the social aspect of December is tough. Your plans may take a back seat like Hugo in a tactical matchday planning meeting. So keep yourself tip-top by getting some AG1 in you. I know that no matter how hard I channel the festive spirit, I've got the good stuff backing me up. Give yourself the gift of AG1 this December and keep yourself balanced. AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily and that's why they've been a partner for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash extra inch. That's drinkag1.com forward slash extra inch. Check it out. I want to say some thank yous for the emails we've been receiving recently. I really, really enjoy reading the emails that you submit to podcast at theextrainch.co.uk or through our website, theextrainch.co.uk. So thank you to Paul Ree, DJ Story, Joshua Almeida, Robert Palmer, James Smith, Joel Hooten, Vince Rico, Paul Maslin, Pridaven Pillai, Stephen Smith, Tom Bishop, Simon Tate, Alec Deprinsky, Stephen Bossomley and Jesper Shergren great stuff thank you so much your management of the inbox is quite impressive Wendy I've never seen anyone control an inbox like that I go looking for stuff and it's already been filed away I don't know where it is you labelled stuff actions or just labelled Bardi do this it's quite impressive mate Wendy would you believe I have over 10,000 unread emails (laughs) you filth bag you absolutely disgust me Nathan you're the worst kind of person I hate you I hate you so much 10,000 like you've never read you must since you created your account no I used to be on top of it I used to be like for years I was on top of it and then uh and then things got out of hand and then like once they're out of hands there's you know it's gone there's no rescue in it why don't just mark it all as read no because you're never going to go back and read what if what if i do what if i need to go to page 87 to go find an email that's relevant (laughs) file them all under an actioned folder and start again from scratch sure dude that's the that's the way forward Uh, we have, as usual, been um, been bashing out content on our Patreon. Uh, and actually, Bardi, you're doing some planning for the, the Bardi Advent Calendar, which will be starting on the 1st of December. I'm getting prepped, Wendy. Um, last year, I think I did unsung goals. So, like, really good goals that we've missed or maybe have forgotten about. And someone spoke to me about why don't you do, like, the top to- top Spurs players. And that's, that's a can of worms that I've decided to open <laughs> myself up to. So I'm going to do my top 24 players in my lifetime. So that, unfortunately, there'll be no Blanche Flower, Perryman, Hoddle. Because I, I never saw them with my own eyes, mate. So um, they're not on the list. But it's really difficult. I found it more difficult to do numbers 15 to 24. Mm, like, interesting. Than, than actually the top players. Like, where do you stick Aaron Lennon? Where do you stick Jermaine Defoe? Does, where does Van der Vaart come in? Jürgen Klingsmann. So um, it's 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 very difficult the top five or six are kind of obvious maybe i'll change maybe it might it might surprise a few people who i've listed as number one but yeah it's definitely the lower numbers which are more complicated nice lovely stuff and our graphic designer trayton made a really fun international break video uh ranking recent shirts uh in in a tier system which i found very enjoyable and i imagine uh will be somewhat controversial because everyone's got opinions on kits 
Yeah, um, and uh, it's one of those where a graphic designer says something's nice, but it's rubbish. <laughs> like that's such a bad kit, right? And I had a little little sneak peek. <laughs> like that's such a maybe graphic designers see lines or angles different to me, but yeah, I disagree with a few of those. <laughs> I'm 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 not I'm I'm part way through the video. I'm I'm really quite enjoying it. I, I like I like his insight. Um, I um, in the meantime, I've been working on my my scouting list for January coming up. Um, so the way that I'm now, um, the way I'm now approaching it is is for three different lists for covering defense. So the idea is that um, um, a bunch of left footers who can back up the left centre back role and then also maybe play the left back role and then a bunch of right footers that can play back up to Romero and also play the right uh right inverted fullback role. And the idea is that these guys are gonna be um some of them are gonna be top five league players, um but some of them are gonna be from from the tier below that. So championship, Belgium, Portuguese league, Belgian league. Um some of these are going to be players who've only got one or two professional seasons under their belt so far. And then also looking at um, a unicorn, <laughs> um, a third choice centre back who could play left or right and is is already at that sort of first team level. So the idea is that you would have three players there playing back up to four different roles. So seven players sharing four starting roles. The thing with that is that... Um, um next season if we are in the champions league which we might not be but i think we have to plan for the possibility that we are um yep. there's going to be like there's going to be like 70 games next season there's going to there's like so um already every single year i go spurs don't have as good a squad depth as they could possibly have um they could work on that and and build their squad a little better and a little deeper that's that's even more the case like you've got to have mm. you've got to have like 20 players you can actually play next season if you're in the champions league and if you don't then and you go in with 15 players then you're going to pick up injuries and then you're going to be forced to play players that you don't trust um uh obviously that is its whole entire discussion point about how absurd the amount of football um is going to be next season but yeah you can't you can't be running out the same players week in week out next season for sure if you're in the champions league so got to have depth there big time did um did scalvini make the list scalvini has um not made the list yet but is is one to to pay more attention to because we keep getting linked oh, to do we? and um it it worries me how much money we we're, we're going to drop on this on this child <laughs> Uh, did Juan Foyt make the list? <laughs> Foyt has turned up in in <laughs> in the data. Um, Let it go. Um, he's kind of perfect for the the right centre back slash inverted fullback role. Yeah, he kind of. So the thing is, um, when when you take tables off of FB Ref um, for every player in a, in a given league or five, the top five leagues, it doesn't differentiate between centre-backs and full-backs so in order to right. filter out the centre-backs uh, sorry in order to filter out the full-backs I put in a filter that says if you receive more than one progressive pass per 90 you're probably a full-back and we and you're discarded from the list but Foyt isn't receiving progressive <laughs> passes at all he's literally playing 
a very wide centre back role for Villarreal, and that was like even with with Emery moved on, um, which suggests like he's basically yeah already kind of straddling the roles there pretty well. I wonder if he'd be interested in coming back for Spurs, or if or mm. if he'd be someone who's like, well, no, because you never played me. Um, <laughs> but he he is worth considering, and he does very strongly statistically resemble <laughs> Christian Romero. <laughs> What about little Kyle Walker swan song? Uh, well, he definitely couldn't play centre-back, that's for sure. Um, so he would only be coming in as a second-choice inverted full-back. And um, I guess the thing with him is he could play left and right for sure, yeah? Um, so he'd be coming in third-choice to both, and then that would affect your ability to cover the centre-backs if you brought in just a specialist inverted full-back cover. But then you, we could restructure things that way. Um, yeah, again, it's, it's whether he wants to come back to a club that wouldn't play him and not be a first-choice player. But it's not the worst oh, choice. Okay, you, you, you thought I was talking about Kyle Walker. Peter, oh, wait. I was talking about Kyle, Kyle Walker. Walker. He's no any day now. His knees are going to be gone. He's he's <laughs> he's moments away from not being able to play elite football. There there are Just miles and well. miles and miles in those knees, and 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 Pep plays him week in week out. He's 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 ripe. <laughs> he's ripe to pop. He's 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 too nailed at City as well, yeah. isn't he? he? There's no way he's leaving there. Uh, let's let's do let's do a couple of questions on Angie's approach uh, before we wrap up. So this is from Kieran, who says, "From what we've seen so far, is there enough balance in Angie's tactics, and how important is tactical balance for Spurs, considering we'll always be punching up against economic juggernauts like City, Chelsea, and Newcastle? So we play City in two games' time. Um, do you think, Bardi, that Ange will change anything against City, and do you think he should? I don't think he changes anything." Everything that, that everything that comes out of that guy's mouth just makes me believe that he will never change. And that's he's pretty. If he's if you're gonna play a high line with nine men, then you're gonna you're gonna keep doing that when you got eleven. So he's not gonna change. Should he? Probably. But then I'm I'm always I'm a pragmatist, so I would always change. That's just, just how I am. But um, he won't change. He'll go he'll go for it against City, which worries me with with our with our squad availability. How that will how, what that will look like. But no, he's not gonna change. He will he'll continue to play his football. It's what he's it's what he says, and I, I will probably think less lesser of him if he does change. You know, I think he should, but I want him to like commit. This is who I am. Commit to it. You know, commit to it. Be yourself, mate. Nathan, do you think there'll be any tweaks around the edges? Do you think there is sufficient balance, as Kieran phrases it? Yeah, there there will be tweaks around the edges. Um, um, the things he says about an absolute dedication to the way he plays um, is true, but there's a tiny bit of. Um, there's a tiny bit of PR in there that's, that might give the impression that there's no tweaking going on when there is. There definitely is uh, week in, week out to, um, to several things. But that still comes with like, yeah, playing a high line against a team who are rapid over the top and have uh, an absolute freak <laughs> who plays centre forwards and, and uh, could, could probably compete in the, in the hurdles <laughs> at an Olympic level, right? Ah. Um, uh... I think I think for now, I think this season and maybe next season, um, we take it as it comes and we say this is the way that we play and we love it and we beat the small teams and we put up a decent performance against the bigger and better teams and sometimes we fall short, but then sometimes you're going to fall short in those games anyway. And then maybe next season or the season after we start to say, okay, 
this is where we're dropping points in the league. This is where we're dropping points against direct rivals and then finishing three points behind them. This is where we're getting knocked out of of, of cup competition. Um, but uh, you and Chris Somerset had a really good chat on straight at the training ground. Was it the last episode or the one before about about how this was the conversation under Pochettino, and then he made those tweaks, and we sat deeper under Pochettino. We looked to play on the break, and we won games against Liverpool. We won against Dortmund. We won against Real Madrid, and it was brilliant. And we never recovered back to to our style. And there are other factors in that, right? Losing Moussa Dembele, um, but terrible, terrible squad <laughs> building and management and and turnover in that time mm-hmm. harry kane losing his ankles all those things are are significant factors but but once you compromise you're compromised right um how significant that is how significant that was for sure in that situation i can't i can't be certain and we couldn't be sure how that would relate to us but i think when postacoglu has this very very clear outward mentality of this is how we play this is how i play and there's that's it um, to then later go back on that uh, would be undermining himself a little bit. So, I mean, it, uh, definitely, definitely the way I feel right now and I suspect the way that I will probably feel for a long time is I love it and I take the good with the bad. Um, maybe maybe in 18 months' time we're, we're reassessing, but or maybe after the City game we reassess. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> who knows? Uh, but I am just so... I'm so uh, Postacoglu-pilled <laughs> right now. I can't get enough of it. I think the way his Celtic team played against Real Madrid will be how we will continue. Like, he gave Real Madrid a really big they were the better team. I think you... you yeah, you analysed this game. And they probably went mm. for it against Real Madrid. They ultimately they got spanked 3-0 and spanked... In Spain as well, but they did go for it. They tried their best. Um, they stuck to his to his plan. I think that's what we will do. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit bit worried about what will happen. But you know, you hire this guy. You want him. You hired him for a reason. You can't make him change. He's not going to make everyone sit deep. We were out playing Chelsea until Romero lost his head. And, yeah. and, that, and I know that obviously Chelsea have been off to a bad start in the table, but they are a strong, strong team. And um, I think it's shown since, right? But um, that was a really impressive 20 minutes. <laughs> and I know that makes me sound like an Arsenal fan, right? But I think we were on course to a to a, to a a really impressive victory until, again, until Romero lost his, his brain. So he's got the Villa game to try and figure it out and then put it into action against City and hope that Haaland doesn't... <laughs> Beat the Dyer Davis offside <laughs> numerous times. Um, it's a write-off, which is a vile. That game's write-off. We're yeah. we're so we're so far in expected goal debt to Man City. <laughs> that, that, that's a freebie, right? Yeah, they can have this. They one. can have this one. We'll get we'll get yeah. them ne- we'll get them later in the yeah. season when we're full strength again. Um, final question. This is from Stephen Doyle Page, and this was sent um, a few weeks ago. So there's uh, that's the context. He says, I was interested in your thoughts on if Ange's use of squad rotation and subs is to ensure squad health or if it's just a byproduct of the needed changes. Examples have been Romero head injury, straight off. Udogi, knock and fatigue, subbed off against Fulham as soon as we get the second, not played at all in the next game. 
Son, knock fatigue, get 60 or 70 minutes then off regardless of opposition or game state. Madison, knock fatigue, get 60 to 70 minutes then off regardless of opponent or game state. Under previous managers, I have no doubt that Son and Madison would have played nearly every minute of every game and one or both would probably have gotten injured. Udogi would probably have been forced back in for 60 minutes before pulling up with something. And I think the same can be said actually, um, just to add to that, because this was sent a few weeks back, uh, as soon as Madison felt something, he he was whipped straight off. Um, so, Bardi, do you think there's something going on here with Ange's, you know, preservation of the squad's health? Or do you think it's more that um, he just thinks we need to make changes? Well, I think Madison's been injured for a while. Madison's been trying to work his way through something. So I think I think Madison should have probably been rested or at least not started in a couple of games. And we would maybe feel the benefits now with Lacelso having started a couple yeah. of games. That might have worked for us. Son, Son is physically drained after 60, 70 minutes at the moment. So there's like no choice but to take him off because he becomes a bit of a passenger. I don't know if you could say under previous managers they would have stayed on. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I think I think the substitutions have been made out of necessity rather than um, rather than him making sure that the squad's healthy. I actually, I mean, I, I, I agree with the, the sort of um, analysis that Stevens put forward. And I was really impressed with him taking Romero off in particular after that head injury, having scored the goal. Um, but I do think, I do think there could have been a bit more in terms of making late subs and involving some fringe players to ready them to step in should injuries occur. And and I think the situation we find ourselves now in highlights that even more. Um, it kind of underlines the point, you know, if, if Lo Celso had had a few more minutes before now, perhaps we'd feel more confident. If Brian Hill had been a bit more involved, perhaps we'd feel a bit more confident. Um, it's been tough because so many players have been injured yeah. in, in the background. But I do feel like maybe Donnelly could have had a handful of minutes and we might have have an idea of um, whether, whether he could fit in. Um, yeah, it's tough because we've been so restricted with the ongoing injuries and not just the first 11 injuries, but the backup player, you know, Solomon, Perisic and now Richarlison, players that all would have played. Johnson, of course, came in, played, got injured, missed a bunch of games. So it has been really, really difficult. But yeah, I kind of feel like perhaps he could have been a bit bolder with some rotation. I think so. Also, Romero wasn't injured scoring the goal. He was injured in defence and then he stayed on the pitch and then he went out for the free kick and scored a header with a <laughs> concussion. Yeah, that's right. That's so right. he wasn't straight off. Oh, yeah, I, right. I feel the exact same way as you two, so I don't have anything to add. Uh, instead, I'll say, can we do Vince's question before we go? Yeah, sure. Go for it. Uh, Vince Rico says, with full knowledge, we probably won't strengthen midfield until until summer. What are your thoughts on Gladbach's Quadio Kone or at Atalanta's Edison as potentials for Basuma's backup rotation or long-term successor? They seem to provide the correct size, stars and age profile. Also, thoughts on Ben in that role? Oh, we've already yeah, covered no. that. <laughs> They seem to provide the correct size, stars and age profile. Going into the next year, theoretically in Europe, with Basuma, Saar, Madison, Bentancourt, Kone, Redison, Don Lee and Devine feels like a strong and balanced midfield, unless I'm way off on the aforementioned summer target. So what do you think, Nathan, on these two? So, um, going back to, to what I talked about earlier with, with, with centre-back cover, the way I've been looking at the backup number six is I've primarily been looking at non-top five league players, looking at young players. Um, players who are going to mostly sit on the bench most of the time um, rather than top five league players. If I was looking at top five league players, then definitely Kone would be near the top of that list for sure. 
um edison um is it edison i feel is 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 more of a number eight type player i think but but kone for sure um would be um it would be essentially almost too good to to just sit on the bench for us basically but again actually talking about having you know 70 odd games potentially next season maybe you just mm. need two first 11s um so yeah by the way guys um uh vince's Substack, the hiatus is uh is worth subscribing to to go and check that out you have been listening to the extra inch with me windy my sidekick and best friend barney and our tactics guy Nathan. if you like this there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash the extra inch production is by nathan a clark our logo artwork and website are designed by Trayton miller our music is by david lindmer you can find him on instagram at david lindmer do check him out he's great follow us on twitter and facebook at the extra inch email us at podcast at the extra inch subscribe leave us a rating and a review and most importantly be sure to tell all of your spurs friends shout out to the x sub we love every single last one of you and of course come on you spurs Thank you.